If you would, while we're getting ready, good morning, everyone. Um, turn to First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. Um, what we're talking about this morning in this passage is um, going to happen to all of us in one one form or another. So, um, part of the way uh, that this is is important for us to talk about and to know. And the purpose of the message from Paul this morning to the Thessalonians was for their encouragement, for their comfort. And the message this morning really is for all of us. It is for all of us that know Christ as Lord and Savior. And just would encourage you to examine yourself. Do I know Christ? And then, if I know Christ, what is the impact of my physical death? What is the impact of Jesus coming again, and what should I be expecting? And the Bible, you know, in the the Old Testament, God laid out the temple and laid out, I mean, the measurements down to everything, right? God has chosen to leave this future state a mystery. So some of the things I'm gonna share this morning may or may not even line up with what actually happens, right? As far as the future, we know that Jesus is coming, I'd ask you to not get caught up on what I say this morning in that regard. Really, what I'm hoping is, is that three things happen. If you don't know Christ, that you consider bending your knee to him now and not someday in the future. The second would be that as you consider death, as we consider death, and Jason Ginder's father passed, Dana's father passed this last week, Teresa's not here because she's over at the Western Home having lost her mom six months ago. Death will happen to all of us. It's a guarantee. And if not, and how do we think about that? Loss of loved ones, loss of our own lives. And then the third thing would be is, how should I be living in light of Jesus' return? And does this impact that, and how do I make that a part of my everyday life? So let's just read the passage and, and uh, then we'll go from there. 1 Corinthians 4.13 to the end of the chapter. But, it, but then this is Paul speaking to those that he loves. But I did not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus." Then this whole next section I've got underlined in my Bible. If you've got a pen, just mark up this whole section in your Bible. This is one to go to when you're wondering, wow, life's tough, right? As uh, was shared this morning, um, just the opportunity to recognize that this life is not our, our place where we're stuck. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. So Paul's saying, hey, this is not me just doing a hope so. God said, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, or those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's just open in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've not left us um, short 
we have all that we need for life and godliness. You've given us your spirit, bountifully guiding us and empowering us and making us no longer slaves to sin. And yet, Lord, the consequences of sin um, are for our benefit. The, thankfully, Adam and Eve didn't get, have a chance to turn around and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and be stuck in this sinful state that someday, if you be not come, each one of us will die and will be in your presence. And we thank you for that hope. We thank you for Paul writing this to the church at Thessalonica and, and that we have it in our hands that we can know for sure uh, what your plan is for us. We just pray that you would open our hearts and minds this morning and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. What happens to the Christ follower when they die? Verse 13, if you just take a look at that. So Paul again is addressing, I can't see it on the back screen, sorry, I'm going to have to turn around. There we go. Paul again is addressing the concern of new believers, right? They're in hardship. They're saying, wow, at some point here, Paul was thinking that in the early church thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime, right? They'd seen him go in the clouds. And the angels had told them, this same Jesus is going to come again in this same like manner, right? And so they were living in this hope that we still hold on to and have. And what happens to the body, soul, and spirit of the believer when they die? And so I hope you don't mind. I put some of you don't want to listen to me. You want to just read it. So I, hopefully this is a double, a double deal, right? So um, you can take the notes or you can, can work through how this is. But what happens to our body, right? That body that goes in the casket, that the hole is dug and, and dirt's thrown on top and, and the finality of I'm not talking to them on this earth again. And death happens of the body. The body of the believer goes into the grave, and the Greek word for that is really a sleeping place. And in this passage, the, many of the translations translate death as sleep because it's not the end. The soul and spirit of the believer remain conscious. The story of Jesus told of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke. The great gulf fixed. You can't go to them and they can't come to you. And the rich man says, go, tell my brothers so that they don't have to come here. There's consciousness. And the rich man was unable to separate himself from that eternity, eternal state. The soul and spirit go immediately with the Lord, to the Lord. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5.8. Bjorn this morning chuckled and said, man, you pick the easy topic sometimes. Um, I really don't expect everyone to agree with me this morning. That's not the point. I really hope you leave today with a hope in Christ, knowing that as believers, we don't mourn as others. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with leaven, oops. Well, the verse I meant is on the board here, sorry. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body as to be at home or present with the Lord. When we die, our body, our physical body that has bones and blood and flesh and sinew is put in the grave. And what's often said at the graveside? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, right? That body is separated from the rest of us, who we really are, our spirit and soul. And I don't understand what I'm even saying, right? The eternal part of the essence of who you are that God's made you to be 
continues to live for eternity. That's different than animals. That's different than all other kind. We are created in God's image. We are eternal beings. God breathed into us the breath of life, that miracle of life, right? And eternal life's happening. When we die, we're absent from our physical body and we're present with the Lord. The death of believers, we don't, we don't, we have hope because death has been conquered by Jesus. How do we know that this is true? What are we resting in? Paul talks about if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're of all most pitied, pitied, right? We're betting our eternal state that Jesus truly rose from the dead. Maybe some of you see, have seen the movie A Case for Christ. And the reporter in that movie said, if I could just disprove that Jesus rose from the dead, Christianity would be out. And he went about to try and disprove the validity of Christ raising from the dead. It's that central. For Second Corinthians, that's what it was. I'm in the wrong Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.8. That's in the middle of there, so you won't... Sorry about that. That passage, so there's a couple passages here that if you want to go back and I'm going to kind of open up a big topic and then we're going to end. Um, so I just encourage you to look at some of these passages as you consider what God has. And here again, verses 1 through 11, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 11. That's where verse 8 is, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Then in Philippians, Paul speaking to another church that he had gone and shared Christ with. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and, and uh, 23. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Then verse 23 says, For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. You know, sometimes people are taking away from us what we would see as prematurely. Last Friday I was driving, having prepared for this the last few months, driving the hospital, dad had a heart attack and, and uh, they thought, I, you know, what is your response in the heat of the moment? I was singing it as well as I frankly cried on the way to the, uh, the, the uh, hospital, right? Sometimes death is not what we plan, Right? Most of the time it's not. But it is better for us to be with Christ than to be here. Do I live that way? Do you live that way? This is all we know. So I always go back to the verse and that David says, you know that I'm but dust, right? God's not going, Bob, shame on you for not figuring this out. The reality is this is what we know. But the reality is there's so much more. And as a believer, may we come to the place where we can truly say, to be with Christ is far better, but to stay here is good for you. Who is it that God's got you still walking this earth with to impact? Sometimes at funerals you'll hear, hear him say his or her job has been done, right? Hopefully that's true. What did I say to dad? Well, God's not done with you yet. That's why you're still here. There's people you need to touch. It's nice to say, but in reality, that's really what happens, right? Why am I here? It's to further the impact of Christ in my life and the lives of those around us. 1 Corinthians 15. 
This whole chapter, please turn there. Um, the reason I asked you to turn there is just, there's so much, so many truths in this whole piece, really starting in verse 12, risen Christ our hope and going through and then the end of the end of it, our glorious body talks, talks about, and I've just highlighted a few of the verses at the end of the chapter here, our final victory. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh, in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Our physical bodies, not our soul and spirit, but our physical bodies cannot inherit eternal life. We're not stuck in this body. Hooray. It's all we know. It's what we hang on to. But we shouldn't. As we let go of this physical body and recognize that just like Jesus' body was one that could walk through walls, we too will have a body that goes to incorruption. That means it's an eternal body. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That means we're not all going to die. Some of us, Christ is coming back, and not all Christians will experience death, physical body death. They're going to be changed. Their body's going to change from the blood and muscle and bone to a spiritual body, a celestial body, similar to what Christ has, right? In that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Praise God for that. Amen. For this corruptible must, go, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we get this new body? Why do we have this hope? Because Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell. Verse 14. Paul gives us a reason for this hope. And our faith is not a faith of, of just kind of platitudes that are nice to think about. Our faith is built on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ raised from the dead and our opportunity to experience that ourselves in some future day. And that future day can be today. I, Teresa and I were talking as we were praying about today and just... Wouldn't it be great if Jesus just came right in the middle of this message today? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah! I heard Mike Schmidt shared yesterday his testimony at the prayer breakfast yesterday, and he wanted to get saved and, and had from, Mike, was it Monday, or Sunday to Monday, he had an extra day, and I thought, well, maybe there's someone in the crowd today that doesn't know Christ, that they need just a little more time. And God's not slack in returning, He's willing that none should perish. Why is he waiting? That's why. He wants each one to come to know him. Paul gives us the assurance. For if we believe that Jesus died and, raised and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who 
are asleep in Christ. When we die, our spirit and soul go to be with Christ immediately. That's good news. We're not floating around in space. We're not in a holding pattern. Our body is in the grave on earth. We're separated from that body. We know those things for sure. They're in God's word. What do we look like in that state before our body? Do we get the new body right away? There's a bunch of things that can be talked about, and there's really smart people on all sides of those coins. The fact of the matter is, what's important, we have. We know that when we die, we are in the presence of God. There's a, a preacher that his wife passed away, and someone said, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. How many of you guys have said, hey, I'm sorry for your loss to someone? And the preacher's response was, you know, when you lose something, you don't know where, they, what it, where it is. I haven't lost my wife. I know where she is. She's in the presence of Jesus. We have that same sure hope. Yes, we miss them, and I understand. Don't, I'm not saying don't say sorry for your loss. I'm just saying we don't have to go. I wonder what has happened to so-and-so because we have confidence in Christ. John 5.24, Jesus talks about life after death. Let's go turn there as well. John 5.24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and he shall not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. Most assuredly, verse 25, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For he, excuse me, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Verse 27, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. Wow, Jesus has it all. There's no shortage of power in Jesus Christ. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have gone, done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation, I can my, of myself do nothing as I hear I judge my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus is carrying out God's plan. God has a plan for each one of us. He has a desire for us to know him, for us to revel in a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. We have the opportunity to know him, even as mortals here on earth, and the opportunity for us to live this life by faith is before all of us. Jesus has all. Back to 1 Corinthians 15. All who believe, who, all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. I love the new living. I'm reading through the NASB, so that's where I'm reading a lot. And I'm, I have my old uh, New King James here just because I memorize things in that. When Jesus comes back to the earth the day of the Lord to set up his kingdom, believers will have their new heavenly bodies already. So when Jesus comes back, he's going to, and we're going to go into this section here in a, in a minute. Jesus comes back and those that have passed away, those that have died, their physical bodies have probably de have decayed in the, in the ground. 
are, have new bodies and are with Christ in the air, right? And that's what we're about to go to. Verse 15, back in 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. I love this that Paul interjects, hey, I'm not just giving you my thinking. This is God speaking. Isn't this wonderful? Paul's speaking by the word of the Lord. When Jesus comes back to earth in the clouds, some believers' bodies will be in the grave, sleeping, and others will still be living. Sorry. Yeah. James 2, 26 For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That picture of without faith, we're not doing things without life, our body just is a body, right? It's, It's matter. There's no soul inside our spirit when someone's died. And we don't worship or worry about that body, right? Because that's not the essence of who we are. We never lose those who are in Christ. Then this next section kind of goes into what commonly is referred to as the rapture, right? When Jesus comes to the clouds. And um, I'm going to show something I've seen since I was a kid. You may believe um, timing and things is different. The important piece is, is that we all believe that Jesus is coming back. Why? Because he said he is, right? Because he said he is. So I don't want to distract this morning. I, there, like I said before, there's good dis- theologians on every side of this, what's going to happen. But we can, with confidence, as a body of Christ, be sure that Jesus is coming back. And so I just ask you not to be distracted by the next 20 minutes of what I'm about to walk through. Because that's not the point. The point is really that Jesus is coming back and how should I live because of that. I see that this, was, this uh, was taken off of the wall for the um, Sunday school area. Some of you guys have maybe never seen this before. It's called the Two Roads and Two Jet Destinies. If you'd like to um, look it up on the internet, you can get a copy for two bucks. Um, and basically what it is, we're talking about this section right here, right? So everyone's born on the broad road. If you don't know Christ this morning, you're headed to a sure death that has a sure eventual lake of fire, right? If you know Christ, John 10, 9, other verses that, that his word is truth, we still die, right? We still die. What happens to us is what we're talking about, right? That body that dies and is separated from our spirit and our soul, right? That's what this picture is. And there's nothing profound about this. It's just one I decided to show. When we die... We're going to be judged for what we did, not for our soul. Once we're saved, we're always saved. But the opportunity for us to realize reward and loss for things we did or didn't do for Christ. That's a sobering thought. And the worst, I've heard it said, the worst place in heaven is better than the best place in hell, right? So it's not that we're going to regret all of eternity that but there will be loss, right? There will be tears that will be wiped. All of us are going to have at some level a, oh, right? We will, would have known what happened. 
Verse 16. Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout. And, and it's interesting, just been fun to study this, uh, with the voice of the archangel and, and with the trump of God. That sounds like a confusion of a lot of things, right? And so just in, in reading that, the shout is, is like the voice of the Lord that raised Lazarus from the dead. What did Jesus say? Lazarus, come forth, right? There's a shout. There's a voice. And back in 1 Corinthians that we read that Jesus has all the power that God has given him for life. Some also think that the shout is the archangel's voice, potentially, right? I don't know. But there's going to be noise. There's going to be a shout. We can count on it. And the, and the, the bodies of those that are in the grave will recognize it. Then the voice of the archangel. Um, some think that Michael, when they would, he, he was the archangel that is, has been named um, the assembling clan, command for the Old Testament saints. Daniel 12, uh, Jude 9, Revelation 12. Um, or a revised Israel nationally or to summon angels as a military escort back to heaven, right? So... Um, in Daniel, you hear of Michael the archangel saying, I started coming three weeks ago and fought my way to you. I don't think we understand all that's going on in the celestial world, right? We don't need to because God's not chosen to tell us, but there are, are truths and things of reality that we don't see um, that doesn't make it any less real. In the trump of God, the same trumpet found in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two, calling the saints to eternal blessing, um, not the trumpet in Revelation. There's uh, trumpets that are there that you can read about, which signals the final outpouring of judgment on the world. The bodies of the dead in Christ will rise first. Some believe that Old Testament believers will not rise until the end of the tribulation, after the what's talked about in Daniel 12. Revelation 20, 1 to 6, and John 5 indicate two resurrections, some to life and some to judgment, Right? So those that die, their body also goes in the grave and their spirit and soul also continue to live for eternity and they're separated. And the opportunity for them to accept forgiveness of sins is past and there's hell to pay. That's not God's design for any. He's not designed that any should perish. It does not make God happy at all means that Jesus died in vain for that person that didn't choose to live for him, to make him Lord. We can count on that God loves the world. 1 Thessalonians 7, 4.17. Believers who are living in their corruptible bodies will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. That word caught up, the the... Harpazo means to seize, catch up, away, pluck, pull, take by force, to catch away speedily, to claim for one's own self, to move to a new place, to rescue from danger. And in 1 Corinthians, we read it, it's a twinkling of an eye, right? It'll be a moment. It's not going to be a, okay, everybody, line up. And, you know, I think of the Iwana kids after the, you know, line up, follow. No. Boom, it's going to happen, and we're going to be done, and it's going to be, wow, instant. 
The Latin word rapto means to seize or to carry off, and that's where we get the word rapture. If you do a Google search on your U version for rapture, you're not going to find it, right? Caught up together. So Jesus comes to the clouds, says, hey, shout, voice the archangel, trump of God. Dead in Christ, rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so will always be with the Lord. Is that when we get our new celestial body? I don't know. Some say yes. Some say we get it when we die and we're in his presence. I, whatever it happens, hooray. The good news is when we are saved, we are saved, and once we're dead, we're in his presence. Can you imagine a world where millions of believers disappear in the twinkling of an eye? Who in your life would know that Jesus is coming back as you've talked about it? Who in my life would know, where'd Bob go? Philippians 3.21, who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity of the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has to subject all things to himself. Wow, this doesn't just happen. Just like in the creation, God spoke the world into existence, he's going to speak and our bodies will be changed. Is that not encouraging? Woo! How does this all happen? What's the timeline? What can we know for sure? I'd encourage you, study this with the, with the view of being encouraged, not with a view to figure it out. The Bible also said no one knows the time or the date or the... Why, are, why do we have this hope? God could have said, hey, guess what? I'm coming back on this day, so be ready. What would we do? We'd sit around and wait for that day. God say, no. Karen Wilson gave me a sticker a while ago. We used to trade things. She, if you don't know, she really likes the fish symbol. She gave me this sticker that said, had a fish on it, said, Jesus is coming. Act busy. Or no, look busy. <laughs> she stuck it in my office, and I thought, like, oh, okay, got it. Jesus is coming. Look busy. And so we always be with the Lord. John 14, I wanted to put both of these in here um, just because I love the New Living Translation here again. If I go and prepare a place for you, this is Jesus speaking, I'll come and again and receive you myself that where I am, there you may be also. The New Living says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. We'll meet the Lord Jesus face to face and our believing friends and family. Those that have died in Christ are not lost. We will see them again. That's good news. They're also cheering for us. They're also cheering for us. We will meet the Lord Christ face to face and our believing friends and family. Praise God for that. The, word, the Greek word for meet carries the idea of a royal pers- meeting a royal person or an important person. There was a gentleman at Turkey Hill growing up that older gentleman that wore a white shirt and a bow tie almost every day. And the reason he did that was because he wanted to be ready when Jesus came. He wanted to have his best on, right? That's how he remembered moment by moment, day by day, that Jesus was coming back. I'm not saying we have to do that. But you know what? He lived with the hope that was real. It impacted his life. It impacted how he lived. It impacted his thoughts. What a testimony. 
Some of you guys remember a gentleman, he couldn't even speak, his name was Vernie. And Vernie was uh, mentally handicapped. He did come to Christ later, came to church forever, and once he, he did accept Christ, whenever you'd see him as you go out to break, you'd say, hey, Vernie, he'd go up, up, up. Encourage each other with these words. Every time you saw Vernie was encouraging. Why? Because he was pointing to our future hope. May we continue to do so with one another. The Greek word for meet, we're going to meet him in the air, carries the idea of a meeting a royal person or an important person. We are going to be face to face with our Savior who died for us, who created us, who lives for us. Our earthly bodies are flesh and bones, they're corruptible, they die. Our heavenly bodies, after the resurrection, will be able to walk through walls, eat food, not get fat, ascend into heaven, and incorruptible never dies. That sounds like a good plan. Jesus could come back at any time. The first time that he's going to come back, as we're living our lives, going about our daily chores and routines, he's going to come to the clouds, as described here in this chapter, and we're going to hear it, and it's going to happen fast. We're going to meet him in the air. The next time he comes, he's going to come down, and his feet are going to actually land on this earth, and he's going to reign and rule for a thousand years. How that all happens, the timing of these things, we can argue till we're all dead. But Jesus is coming back. Count on it. Live like it. When Jesus comes back the day of the Lord, he will set up his kingdom. It's not going to be better and better and better. Look at Daniel chapter 11 and 12. If you want to see where the future is, the future is not going to catch God by surprise. He's got a plan. We can count on it. But as he comes back, he's going to prove one last time, even with the best of governments, and I know we've got our elections this week, even with the best of governments, men and women, boys and girls still choose poorly. If I was in the garden, I would probably do this, not probably, I would do the same thing as Adam and Eve and choose poorly, so would you. God has so much power and greatness that he could create us just a sliver off of who he is with a will to choose. Wow. But then we can choose to love him and walk by faith and live for him. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. If Jesus came back right now, and this is a Ezraism, on a scale of one to 10, how sure are you that you would be taken to meet Jesus in the air? If you don't say 10 this morning, that's not God's intention. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you're a child of Christ. He's got a plan for you and for me. If I said, hey, come to my house and didn't give you the directions or didn't give you the address to look up, that wouldn't be a sincere offer. Same with God. He said, I want you to be with me. I want to, want to be with you while you live on earth. And so if this answer is not a 10, I would just cry, cry to you and say, please do not leave this place without settling it. All it takes is, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. 
It's a humbling place. I'm helpless. I can't do anything about my sin problem. And then we live a life that continues to live, hopefully to God's glory, but it's not perfect. And that's why we all die and are separated. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Believers in Jesus Christ, if Jesus came back right now, would you be happier wishing you had more time? 1 John 2, 28. And now, dear children, remain in, the, in fellowship with, Jesus, with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from his shame. Remember being proud of cleaning your room or doing a project for your mom or dad and hoping that dad came home? Or doing something really wrong and broke something and hoping that they would never find out? <laughs> How am I living my life? How are you living your life in light that Jesus is coming back? Second Timothy 4.8, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearing. God will reward us for longing for his appearing. You want to at least get one crown? Do this one. If you have to wear a white shirt and a bow tie every day, do it. I'm going to ask you everybody to turn to three people, because if I just say two, you just do the two on your side, and then you won't really get this. I want you to turn in the next 30 seconds and say, good news, Jesus is coming. Okay? Then we'll start up again. Good news, Jesus is coming. <clears throat> I'm also going to suggest something, and I've kind of quasi started a little bit. Um, you know, this is not just a suggestion. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's not in the command form if you look in the Greek, so it's not a, if you don't do this, you're in sin. I think this is an opportunity that we all have as Christians Hey, Nathan, how's it going? Jesus is coming. Instead of, oh, life's, I mean, bad news gets the most play, right? Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? You know, Jesus is coming. Let's add that to our constant discussion. Jesus is coming. Whatever the verbiage is for you, Jesus is coming again, you can whatever. But I think the opportunity for us to add this to why? Because it's encouraging every time. It encourages those that are in sin to turn from it. It encourages those that are in, in, in hardship, that, that this is not the end. Paul knew that this was something that all of us need. We all need encouragement. I bet Ed Barons has said this once in a while. You looking for Jesus to come? Yeah, he is. Why does he have so much joy? Because he's looking. He's going to get that crown. You want that? Consider the outcome of their ways. Look for Jesus' return. There's a reward now and for eternity. So hopefully as we leave this morning, we've answered a couple questions. I've got a shower song that I want, we want us to sing and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. Um, coming again. If, 
one of the things that helps remind me is just having this on, we used to sing this on Sunday nights. Um, it's an old hymn, 239, the blue book, if you want to take it home and get the words for it. Coming again, Judy's been gracious enough to play it. Um, Barb Anderson used to just pound the upright piano. It's great. This is a great shower song. Get yourself a song or something that you can sing that reminds you that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Judy, if you want to play, and I don't know, guys, if you can put it up on the screen. Yeah. If you want to stand, that'd be great. We need, all of us need encouragement in our walk. When we all physically die someday, or when Jesus comes again and takes us to the clouds, what a hope we have. Let's not shrink back at his return. Let's embrace it. There are those that have, we've got loved ones that have gone on before us. Our Savior is there. May we live today, may we live each day in light of the day where we'll see him face to face. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you that you've not just left us here to our own devices to figure things out. You've given us all that we need for life and godliness. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. Lord, in this country, we're blessed to be able to even gather in fellowship with others. Help us, Lord, to keep the forefronts of our mind in a new way. May we greet one another with Jesus' coming. May we live in a way that causes us to not be satisfied with what's here and now, but to look forward to that day when our, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. Our bodies that have so much limitation, physical bodies, will be changed to incorruptible. Thank you for that hope. Lord, may you find us, as the speaker Karen gave me, may you find us busy about your work so that we don't shrink back. Lord, if there be someone here this morning that doesn't know you, that if you came back for those that have trusted in you, they would be left. Lord, may they do business with you, not here and now, even as we pray, before we dismiss. May they cry out to you and say, I'm a sinner. Jesus, please save me. Forgive me. Thank you that your desire is that none should perish. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. May uh, our lives reflect the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.